Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like we're the stars of the human race, human race. Where did you two go? When the lights started out, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, play it loud, giving love to the world. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. But you'll get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of. As close to justice. We can light it up, 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 so they can put it out, out, out. Welcome to Horror on the Rocks. On tonight's episode, Frank and Joe discuss the scariest non-horror movies and review the 2017 film, Killing of a Sacred Deer. They're coming for you, Barbara. Now. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Horror on the Rocks. Yeah, we're back, Frank. Back and better than ever. Yes, indeed. This is our summer edition. Yeah. With a nice summery cocktail. Yeah. Well, um, why? You know, it's, we'll skip the regular intro. What yeah. Are we, what are we drinking tonight, Joe? Well, cheers first off. Cheers. I'm glad we're back. Um. I made a version of a Moscow Mule, so you gotta have ginger beer. Unfortunately, the grocery store did not have ginger beer. I feel like you just didn't look hard enough. So I went. Like, I'm with, sure, it was there I, somewhere. I asked, and then I looked not so thoroughly, uh, but um, I was in a rush to prepare everything to get in, get back here in time. But yeah. so I used ginger ale instead, uh-huh. which gives it a bit of a different flavor. Not yeah. like the exact profile I wanted, but. Still not bad. So we're good doing summary. Like yeah, it's nice exactly. and crisp summery refreshing. Yeah, got some Tito's and then what you need is some lime juice. You just sprinkle some lime juice in that there. That is. That's that little extra. Mix it together else. and that's what we're enjoying today. Yeah, so we'll be polishing off a couple of these in the balmy 90 degree uh weather of philadelphia yeah it's gross as uh as we break down a movie that i've kind of had in mind to do since we started this podcast because it is just so effing crazy yeah we are going to review a movie tonight called the killing of a sacred deer um as is always the case with the with our podcast there is going to be lots of spoilers about this movie and I almost want to say it's a twist movie, but the twist happens like pretty early on where you where the movie takes like a hard turn and you really want to watch this movie the first time not knowing anything about that kind of plot point. So go watch this movie. If Um, if I'm thinking of the twist that you're referencing, I think that twist is pretty uh, predictable. I think like the ending is what's like surprising yeah but we'll, yeah we'll get into all that oh but we in, shall in we honor shall. of uh the the messed upness that is the killing of a sacred deer we're going to break down a little list for you of our favorite our favorite scary not traditional horror movies yeah um which uh is is another list that i've had in mind since we started the show yeah. uh, before we get into that though a little bit of horror news uh-huh um you'll probably be getting this right around the fourth of july or maybe right after but uh we're recording this on uh, June 26th, and next week is a big week for uh, Joe and I, or especially me, because we got Midsomar coming out on July 3, which I have been aggressively dodging trailers for. And then the very next day, uh, Stranger Things Season 3 drops on Netflix. Yeah, we've been talking about Midsomar for many an episode oh yeah so we're almost there i hope it's good the preliminary yeah. like reviews of it are good apparently yeah. jordan peele says it's like one of the most disturbing things he's mm-hmm. ever seen so mm-hmm. i'm pretty pumped about it yeah um, well i'm gonna be in europe when it comes out oh, so i yeah. was saying how what better place to see it than maybe should i go to sweden <laughs> or is it switzerland sweet uh, i don't know actually wait i should know this yeah <laughs> Whatever country it yeah. takes place in, I think it's Sweden. Hey, you never um, know. Sometimes Joe Joe's going on a, a European adventure for yeah. a couple of weeks, so you won't be hearing from us for a little while. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're on vacation, especially when you're doing one of those where you're bumping around a city and you're just walking all day, 
get a little afternoon rainstorm. Sometimes it's not bad to duck into a movie theater for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I actually don't want to see this, though, in Sweden because that would just make it all too <laughs> real. And then I yeah. would look around and freak out. You have but a tendency I'm gonna be to in, get real scared by things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be in Paris. So I was like, should I watch an American werewolf in Paris before I go? Isn't that a movie? I thought it was an American werewolf in London. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, maybe, you know what? I think it might have been a sequel. Wait. No, it might be London. There's definitely an American werewolf in London. There may be an American werewolf in Paris, but I don't know about that. Was that the direct-to-DVD sequel that no one saw? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, a little box office recap from last week. Child's Play finished actually second overall in the box office. Made $14 million in a weekend. Uh, fall, coming up only sec, coming up second to Toy Story that made a hundred and twenty million dollars in one weekend. Huh? Just holy pocket change. Damn. Um. Right? And by the way, our fact checkers confirmed that it is an American werewolf in London, yeah. not Paris. But maybe, maybe one you day could watch High Tension. Yeah, uh, that's a French horror yeah. movie. I mean, I love it, but Once was good. <laughs> yeah. um, um, uh, something something else some of you might have seen, uh, we posted on our Instagram. It looks like we're getting another remake of Black Christmas. It's going to be coming out uh, this December. It's by Blumhouse. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Go yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> um, another trailer uh, sequel that we got is for Dr. Sleep, which we men- mentioned previously on this show. Is a uh, It's a book that Stephen King wrote in 2013. It's a follow up to his original novel but it looks like the movie that's going to get made off of it is also kind of a sequel to the original movie um it looks like there's going to be some clips from the original movie in it um generally it looks like the premise is danny torrance is all grown up and ethan hawk is playing him uh and it's being directed by the guy that did haunting a hill house gerald's game uh oculus and a bunch of stuff hush, um, which i hush. really like yeah that's the one where the girl uh she can't She's hear and the guy's trying to break in this intruder yeah, yeah. that's a netflix also- one that's pretty good yeah, that's a great movie. Ooh, that could be an interesting. That's a fun one. one. Yeah, but we'll see about this. I'm I'm skeptical of anything that's an update on uh, an update on The Shining. But you know, uh, and the last kind of piece of horror news I wanted to talk about was your uh, what I'm going to call is my recurring segment of your monthly Ghostbusters oh update. This is when I uh, tune out <laughs> for a bit and just sip my. I don't have the same uh, feelings towards Ghostbusters that you do, but well, I do. Need app- I do appreciate. You're going to have to listen to me. Go for it. I'm just going to enjoy my drink and talk. <laughs> Uh, Sigourney Weaver is confirmed. She's going to reprise her role as Dana Barrett. And uh, Annie Potts, who plays the assistant Janine Melnitz, gave an interview similar to Bill Murray. I haven't been asked, but if I was, I would be in it. Is that some like scripted response that they all have? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something your agent tells you. I'm going to start using that line. (laughs) Like, if someone doesn't know if I'm going to show up somewhere (laughs) or, like, you know, commit to an event. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And last thing is, uh, and it's kind of a segue because it stars uh barry kogan uh is have you watched chernobyl on hbo yet no but i've heard of it oh my god well, like i've heard it, of the show and i've heard of the actual yeah, <laughs> event, yeah it it falls into it kind of falls into this episode of things that aren't straight ahead horror content per yeah. se but are just downright terrifying really really scary what happened and God, what could have happened? Like they were on the brink of something even worse than than uh, than what the outcome was. But yeah, if you guys haven't watched Chernobyl, yeah. it's five episodes are all about an hour long. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. It looks very heavy and dark. And though I do want to see it at some point, I feel like I have a lot of dark shows on yeah. my plate. Like I'm getting through The Handmaid's Tale season three now. Mm-hmm. So I think I just need some lighter fluffier shows yeah um but that will be on the queue so So did you have any any news to add i have one addition so just announced recently is that scream the tv show after a long hiatus season three is finally going to be coming out um on july 8th on vh1 it's moving from mtv to vh1 there was this long period of time where it was supposed to be released sooner and there were just some legal battles going back and forth because Scream's affiliated with the Weinstein company. Okay. So, um, but season three is dropping. Um, they're like switching up the cast. Kiki Palmer's in it and Mary J. Blige. Kiki Palmer, the singer? Uh, she or she dabbled in too. singing, but she was in Scream Queens. She's done oh, some TV shows, some movies. Did you watch uh, the Scream TV show? 
I watched season one, didn't okay. see season two, but they're actually bringing back the original mask though from the movies because oh, okay. that was also caught up in some legal battles for whatever reason. Yeah. But um, licensing, trademark. Yeah. That's so anywho, that's coming out for those that are interested. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess on that note, let's uh, let's segue into our list. Let's this do evening. this list of scariest non-horror movies yeah i i have a ton so why don't you go first so uh you know you have a chance Frank, before i pick them my first one is requiem for a dream yeah this has got to be number one on everyone's <laughs> list man this movie is the terrifying. soundtrack alone is just haunting and mm-hmm. terrifying and actually yeah. weirdly enough i used to study this music really in college i couldn't cool. i could never study to music with lyrics i needed instrumental Same. yeah and for some reason this music was just kind of calming even though it's not calm music at all so whatever that says about me i don't know yeah but um (laughs) the movie is just so disturbing Mm -hmm. and the acting is phenomenal but you just see the awful downfall of these characters who are just you know lost in addiction but just some of the imagery is just so messed up and just seeing them like waste away and it's it's wild it's crazy and it's pretty damn scary this this one was also on my list um what so I know a lot of people think that uh, Ellen Bernstein's situation is like the the scariest part of that movie. Did you feel that way? Because I felt like yeah, I think the- her downfall, without a doubt, was the most horrifying, yeah. like gut wrenching one. Just seeing like her physical transformation, her mental, yeah, just when she's hallucinating with yeah. like the refrigerator she's and chasing her and like the TV mm-hmm. and all that. So I think yeah, I think her scenes are just. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. The, the ones you? that really scared me because I'm a huge hypochondriac is when when it happens to uh, Jared, Jared Leto's arm yeah. at the end of it, when uh, he keeps shooting into that same injury and you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Like, yeah. that just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. What's on um, your list? My first one that I'm going to mention um, is A Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick, which okay. is not a straight ahead horror movie but is just really disturbing um obviously have you ever seen it or read the book uh neither yeah i know about it so you know for anyone that has seen it obviously the the things the ultra violence that alex delarge and his gang like to engage in uh is just terrifying brutal almost unbelievable the movie was rated r not NC-17 but you know what they do is really terrible and awful but then what kind of happens to him and the and the whole commentary about society trying to control people and he ends up I mean he ends up with really no no life to live not that he deserved to live one after what he did but anyway it, it's just like the the imagery in that movie is so vivid and mm-hmm. it's almost like it looks scary like the things that happen in it are scary but it has this just brooding kind of sinister vibe yeah. about it that i remember seeing it in high school and being like oh you can make you can make a different kind of movie like you can make a movie that's not for everybody and yeah. uh this this one goes in that category Ooh, what's uh okay. what's your second one uh, my next one is Seven. And I don't yep. think I would really classify it as a horror movie. No. It's almost like borderline thriller, but it's like yeah. a crime it's, drama. To me, it's whatever. It's, it goes in the same hybrid genre that Silence of the Lambs is in. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's yeah. kind of like that sort of. I think of Silence of the Yeah. Mm, We've had this conversation of. before. Is Silence of the Lambs, like, is it in about, the horror section or is it in the drama Jaws. section? Do yeah. we have it about this movie, too? Maybe, in passing. Well, if we have it, yeah. we will, I'm sure. But yeah, Seven. Uh, so Seven, I mean, you have this killer that's killing people based on the seven deadly sins, and just, you know, that alone is scary. And yeah. I remember just the um, the first, I think it's one of the first deaths where uh, the it's the gluttony killing, and yeah. it's just this guy that's like hunched over his bowl of, or his plate of food, and um, that kind of like sets the tone for the movie. But yeah. I mean, and then you have the shocking ending, which is yeah. just like an iconic ending. Well, and, which, yeah. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You know, if you haven't seen it now, <laughs> yeah. go see it because yeah. um, we're about to say it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. And you're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yeah. what? If so, they haven't seen Seven by now, I mean, that's their loss. The movie's 25 yeah, years old. Yeah, I mean. It also, that movie has a really good jump scare in it. Remember the, the sloth, the guy that's in the bed that he keeps alive? And oh. I think Brad Pitt gets like all the way next to him and he's like, Poof, he comes yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's a scary um, movie, yeah, mm-hmm. but definitely not, you know, not a conventional horror right. movie. What um, do you got for My us? next one is a movie that just really scares me. It's one of those that, like, I 
it feels like it's way too accurate. Like okay. it's what would happen. Do you ever see that movie Contagion? Um, yeah. It's just, Is that with the virus? Yes. Uh-huh. It, that movie just felt like also a, with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, that movie felt like a brutally realistic kind of depiction of like how we would all turn on each other in that sort of situation where there'd yeah. be a run on pharmacies and everybody would be super cutthroat. Um, and, and as you're watching it and like the last scene, the very last scene in the movie, it might even be as the credit rolls shows how like the virus happens. You're how like, it all started. That could happen. That could happen. Yeah. Like, it's way too feels really possible. And it's scarier because it's such a simple way that it all came about. Yeah. You know, it was just like, an animal right it was like a monkey or something yep mm-hmm. and then from there so yeah I th- yeah. Or my, yeah and then it gets into beef and I think then the beef like gets served with, at a restaurant and yep, the rest is and history then, mm-hmm. well uh what do you got for your last one uh my last one is one hour photo oh yeah yeah the so, robin williams movie yeah it's been a while it's been a second since i've seen it but from what i remember when i did see it i was like well first off seeing robin williams in this role which is so different (laughs) from his you know iconic comedic performances and roles but to see him in this creepy obsessive character as a you know creepy obsessive character who works in this photo um section of a store and just becomes obsessed with his family yeah and there's just one scene where he just has like all their family photos plastered on his wall and i think the mother somehow walks in on that and sees it and it's just Oh, it's haunting. But it um, yeah, so but it's not a horror movie, but definitely some really scary scenes. And just thinking about how I guess it's kind of a dated thing now. You don't I mean, I guess people still develop photos, but maybe not as much as they used to. Yeah. But I never wonder... thought about that. Like the person that's working there who has access to your like most cherished private moments in a way like normally they don't care. They're just doing their yeah. job. But like what if there is someone who is like obsessing and. This uh-huh. is their way into your family and your life. Like just the thought of that, I was like, "Ooh, this was this was very clever." That's a good point. I wonder how much time will have to pass before, like, older people will have to explain to people what his job is. Like, if they'll have any association yeah. with people right. doing that. And but, another, go ahead. Yeah, uh, what I was going to say also is that I guess now we purposely just blast our photos to everyone too, and you yeah. think of social media. Like, there's really no secrecy there's just more of a desire now yeah. than so anyone could actually get a hold of like your, yeah. your private moments or like your your photos really. but the, and, and that's another thing i was gonna say is that i had a buddy in high school that worked at a at a photoshop and they are very it's very important or it was i guess when you worked at a photo development shop that you would protect people's privacy you can't be taking extras of people's photo basically everything robin williams does in the movie yeah and he never told us any details but he was like People take photographs of some wild shit. Oh, <laughs> like, I bet the stuff that yeah. turns up, you're like, ooh, okay, yeah. I'll pretend I didn't see that. It would or, be so hard, really? like, when you develop, like, somebody's, I don't know, like, super kinky bedroom photos to ha- to not hand them back to them and be like, have fun. Yeah. Like, it's like, I know, I know way too much I now. Know too I much. wish I didn't see that. What's uh, the last one you got on your I'm list? Up. Okay. Uh, the last one I'm going to put on my list is a movie from childhood that scared me. Again, not a not a deliberate uh, horror movie. Ferngully. Ferngully, <laughs> yes. No, did you ever see The Return to Oz with a very, very young uh, Feruza Balk? Oh, I love Feruza from there, The Craft. There are, no, I, I there don't are know. characters in this movie that are... They're, I think they're really kind of supposed to be the, the the surrogate for the flying monkeys in the original Wizard of Oz called oh. wheelers. They have okay. long legs and long arms and one wheel on each of their appendages. Yeah. And they, they like cruise around and they like squeak and they're oily. And I just remembered them being like the most just so terrifying, like really, really scary. And then I, I went and watched the YouTube clip the other day to make sure that they still are. Yeah. They're terrifying. The really? Things so in even- it, seriously. Everybody listening, go to YouTube, Google return of Oz, the wheelers. Okay. You're going to be like, yeah. Who does Feruza play in it? I think she plays a Dorothy, like a, a sequel. Oh, Dorothy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's really, really young though. Like huh. almost as young as I'm trying to think if I like probably around the same time that she was in the worst witch, which is another movie that I don't think you've seen. Is that a Disney movie? It might be. Mm. It has Tim Curry in it. I feel like you've mentioned this. Yeah. Was that you that have talked about this movie? I'm, we, we, I'm the only person that we talks about these movies. With you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Thank gosh you're around. No yeah. one else will speak about these things with yeah. me. All um, right. Well, that was a solid list. Yeah. So think, there's a lot of honorable mentions. Any extras? Uh, 
No. Yeah, I had <laughs> I, I had Black Swan on my list, Ooh, which is another Darren Aronofsky yeah. movie. Same yeah. guy did Requiem. Right. That's kind of hard to classify. Yeah, like Donnie genre. Darko, which mm-hmm. is kind of only scary the first time you watch it. Once you know yeah. what's going on, it's not really scary. Yeah. But I remember the first time seeing that and be like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And uh, would I have any other one? I had Train Spotting on. Okay. Uh, mostly the scene where he's coming off of heroin and the baby is like in the yeah. room with him. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Movies disturbing. What about Hocus Pocus? Ah, har- c- could hardly <laughs> say that that is a scary yeah. movie. Actually, um, as a kid, The Witches, I mentioned this, I yeah. think, in our first episode, but now obviously it's not scary. But when I first saw it, I thought that was a terrifying movie. The only horrifying. The and only that scene, scene that I thought was really scary in that movie is when they're in his bedroom and he doesn't know it. I think one of them's under the sheets and one of them's in the closet. Oh, and she like pops up. Yeah. yeah. I remember oh, being like, ooh. The convention scene. I think that that scene when they just all start taking off their their wigs and their... The convention scene? Yeah, where he's hiding behind the barrier and he sees all the witches. Have you seen this movie? Hocus Pocus. I'm talking about the witches. Yeah. Those are different movies. Oh. <laughs> I when did we I, switch to talking I about the I jumped over the witch. Oh, uh, there wasn't... Well, there was a segue when I said the different movie name but i guess oh. you got confused because they're said both the de- witches i thought you were talking about the witches oh in- no yeah <laughs> well we can keep this I in or keep even this had a whole out. beverage yet <laughs> all, right. all right let's move on um, 2017 killing of a sacred frank deer. this movie so i may have heard of it in some in passing somehow but never thought much about it until you suggested let's watch this movie i was like all right cool great cast nicole kidman colin farrell um, the director, Yorgos Lanthimos, he yeah, did... Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I, yeah. The, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, but um, <laughs> directed The Favorite, which is an Oscar-winning movie. I haven't seen The Favorite, have you? I did, it's yeah. It's always like, it keeps coming up, but like, oh, what should we watch tonight? And we always end up picking something yeah. else. But I really want it's to. It's interesting. And then uh, what he also did... The uh, Lobster. Yeah, which I watched, thought was interesting, but like, I don't, I'm not even yeah. sure that I finished it. That cool concept. That one is a, kind of... It's not the same vibe, but there's the vibe, but there's definitely some sort of like it, his style is present in both. Oh those, yeah, but it's way more surreal, and and that right. was it's it's even this movie is a bit detached from reality, obviously, but that movie even more so. Definitely overlap though with just like the type of dialogue and the way they speak to each other, uh-huh. and yeah. then also um, just like the very specific kind of bizarre world that's created. But so I've seen his other movies. And then went into this one. So I definitely can see a, a, a similar style. Um, I remember when this movie came out and being like Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell. Like those are those are mega huge actors. Yeah. And then it kind of went, it came and went away. If you watch a trailer to, for this movie, there's absolutely no way to tell what it's about. Oh, and really? How is it marketed? It was, it's just like all, you know, this, this music that is in it that is so scary oh my gosh, the whole yeah. time. It's just that music and then like clips of them, but it's, you, you don't get any semblance of plot or what's going on. You know, what's funny while we're talking about the music, because it's like really the only thing in the trailer. So I watched, I have to watch a lot of movies with subtitles on now because yeah. I got the baby sleeping upstairs and I've I don't actually, want to miss dialogue. I've always watched movies with subtitles, especially stuff that is like where anybody has an accent. It yeah, really is helpful. It, it is. So if you watch this movie with subtitles, they describe the, the music like four or five different ways. They call it eerie music. They say it's eerie. Well, at one point it says eerie music yeah. playing unnerving music crescendo. They call it ominous uh, dramatic, like they have so many words for the, yeah. for the movie. And the, the score in this movie is it really sets the tone. Yeah, um, and it's always eerie. I remember for the most part when um, Martin's character comes into the scene, yeah. and then there's like this the, the attaching eerie music. But yeah. yeah, so let's lay down just like what this movie is kind of about and what happens. So it. we have Stephen played by Colin Farrell, Doctor Murphy, cardiologist. Yes. His wife, Anna, who is an ophthalmologist. So we have these very accomplished uh, medical professionals living this really nice, um, you know, mm-hmm. lavish lifestyle. They have two kids. They have Kim, who is in high school. Uh, she's 14. And we have Bob, who's the younger of the two. Yeah. Um, and the movie starts out with just seeing a beating heart. I think it's a heart. It looks like open heart surgery. Yeah. As so, tight a framing of open heart so surgery. So I'm like, as cool. Okay. This is the first image that I'm seeing. And then it just stays on the screen for like 
a minute or so. It, it's long. And, and at the time, you're like, what the hell? But then, you know, you come to realize as you watch the movie, like that, you know, that the gravity of that sort of procedure is really yeah. at the heart. No pun intended. Oh, did you write that one down? I didn't. Let on me the see fly. your notes. On the fly. No, yeah. but that that is, uh, I think that's kind of the point is to make the viewer... In case a viewer is unfamiliar with the the you know the kind of craziness of open heart surgery, uh, that's that's what he does. He's yeah. a, he's a cardi cardiologist surgeon, yeah. um, and so right after that shot, we start seeing scenes where uh, Colin Farrell is meeting with Barry Cogan, and Barry Cogan is teenage boy Martin. in this movie. But yeah, he played, yeah, his character's name is Martin, um, and they have. They have conversations that feel very bizarre off the jump. It's it's clear that there's something between the two of them. Did you have before he comes over to the Murphy's house? Did you have suspicions about what their connection might? It have was been? hard to tell, and I think that's what was interesting about this movie and how, unless you read like a synopsis or a spoiler, you don't really know what the dynamic is initially. Yeah. So I was like, either like illegitimate child of yeah his. That, that i feel like is the first yeah like, like he has an illegitimate kid like another kid or it almost seemed like is there something like romantic going yeah, like on some because sort of they're at a child abuse situation well they're at a restaurant they're like ordering food and then colin farrell like gets martin this really expensive watch yeah so i'm like oh is this like a gift like beyond just like a platonic gift. So like it was yeah. a little tricky at first kind of yeah. pinpointing but what then, it was. Uh, Colin Farrell invites or Dr. Murphy invites Martin over for dinner and you immediately well, go, okay, well that's not what someone would do with a child. They were abused. I don't think it's what they, what someone would do to a child they were abusing. Um, well, what's interesting though is or that an illegitimate kid. before that even happens. So there's a scene in the hospital where Martin and Martin has this coworker slash buddy. That's an anesthesiologist. Yeah. Anesthesiologist sees Martin and Colin Farrell's character together. And he's like, who is this kid? And Colin Farrell's like, oh, this is a classmate of my daughter who's just interested in being a doctor. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay, interesting. But I wasn't necessarily buying it. Yeah, it felt it felt like a story. But the then way. when Colin Farrell's like, oh, Martin, come and meet my family and my children. I'm like, whoa, wait, hold on. Yeah, so he doesn't know the daughter. So who yeah. is he? What's going on? So he has dinner, um, and then he immediately wants uh, – he immediately wants Colin Farrell to come to dinner at his house. Very aggressive and adamant about it. Yeah. Weird scene. Uh, Colin Farrell decides to go, and Martin is basically trying to set Colin Farrell up with his mom, who is played uh, oh my really gosh. well in one – I think she's only in like one or two scenes in the movie by Alicia Silverstone. Literally one scene. Yeah. yeah. Boy, is she weird at it. She doesn't even have a character name. She's oh, really? credited as Martin's mother. No name. Really? <laughs> yeah, just referred wow. to you as Martin's mother. But yeah, it's a departure from her clueless days. So she's playing this <laughs> yeah. um pretty sort of unstable yeah. figure who sad and desperate kind yeah, of Yeah, kind of obsessed or like really attracted slash into Colin Farrell's character. Yeah. So Martin like goes away and she's like preparing this meal for him and it's like yeah. really into like pleasing Colin Farrell yeah. and then tries to like hit on him yeah. and make some and moves she, on him. And he's like, I gotta go. Yeah. It's also around this point in the movie that we come to realize that Martin's father, Alicia Silverstone's husband is dead and that Colin Farrell, Dr. Murphy was the physician that was on, you know, was served him or, or did surgery on him in the hospital. We don't get all the details at first. Be like, okay, he, this is one of those, like he feels this, uh, it reminded me of that, uh, Chuck Palahniuk book choke where like people uh, okay. that do something for someone else, like be, become like attached and feel compelled to them. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. so he's, he just got this obsession with this family because it's the family of a patient. But yeah, boy, we find out it's a lot more than that uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So Martin is just trying to really get a hold of Colin Farrell's character, spend more time with him is starting to just, um, obsessed and like really is making these efforts to see him and Colin Farrell's character is you can you can sense this kind of concern like okay this is like a little much now I think he was weirded out by the whole incident with um, Alicia Silverstone's characters 
advances on him. As anyone should so be. So he's trying to, like, <laughs> separate the weirdest himself. way to hit on somebody, I can imagine. Well, there was that, like, kind of creepy scene where Colin Farrell's character, Stephen, is in the parking garage of the hospital and thinks he sees Martin. But it's just, like, a quick shot of, like, Martin behind his behind. So you can't really, I mean, it's yeah. probably him. But yeah. um, so, like, you kind of see this, like, stalking that yeah. Martin's doing. We also, Martin starts to kind of integrate into the family. It's clear that, like, Bob thinks he's cool and Kim is very into him. Kim's she's like very in love with him. Yeah, I mean. Okay, they're... by the way, with Kim, so she's singing. She's really into uh, Martin. This may be, like, kind of a first crush, first guy that's, like, expressed interest in her or whatever. But did you find that odd when, and that's the thing, this movie has some real darkness to it, but there's uh-huh. also just some really ridiculous, funny, kind of cringeworthy, like humorous moments too. So when um, Nicole Kimmons character, Anna and Steven are at this reception um, and Steven's talking to his buddy about Kim and he's like, how's Kim doing? And he's like, oh, she just had her period. I was like, wait, what? Like, out of all the things to talk about, there is a lot of dialogue. That's what from you Colin say. Farrell in this movie that it what? seems. What now? What? Have you ever met a surgeon? I'm not saying they're all like this. But um, probably. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure surgeons. In some ways, I kind of felt like he fell into like a, a bit of a stereotype about surgeons that they're very kind of like rigid and they don't like they don't really do jokes and they just kind of say what is true and that sort of thing. But he says some weird stuff in this movie. I was just like, out of all the things that you can talk <laughs> yeah. about what your child is up to, maybe that's not something you need yeah. to be. That's not really dinner party. Conversation. Maybe let her, you know, be the one to drop that. If she wants yeah. people to know yeah, that. Or like, we just don't tell people that. Although she does tell uh, Martin that. Right. <laughs> but like you, yeah. you tell whoever you need to, I don't yeah. know. But, um, so Martin, Martin's pushing, pushing, pushing. Martin's getting obsessed. Yeah. And, and uh, Dr. Murphy is pushing away more and more. And then all of a sudden, Bob wakes up one morning and he cannot get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And Bob's legs aren't working. Yeah. And they take him to the hospital. They get him checked out. Uh, Colin Farrell's very skeptical about it. He's not really buying it from the beginning. They're like, he's good to go. I bet you there was a test today that we didn't prepare for. It wasn't there. As they're walking out of the hospital... Boom, drops again. And this is actually one of my favorite shots in the movie. They uh, they leave the hospital on like a really, really long escalator that's in yeah. a room with a super high ceiling. And they must have put the camera on the ceiling or something because it's, it's directly above the bottom of the escalator. And you watch them slowly come down the escalator as this ominous, brooding, unnerving, all the words <laughs> they used to describe music. the music uh, plays. And then right when he gets to the bottom, he collapses again. Yeah, and what's interesting is that Anna, the mother... She's so calm and composed. Yeah. And that's also like the bizarre element of this movie is that some of these characters are just so emotionless for so long, yeah. despite the circumstances that they're in. Yeah. And it's just like, is this, what kind of world am I watching? Uh-huh. Is this reality? But um, yeah, so Anna's with him and you just kind of hear her saying, I need help instead of like a, you know, panicky, like, yeah. well, like if your kid just drops, like, I don't know. I would but he's imagine. like, it's such a weird thing, right? Because he's not going unconscious. Like, it's not like he's fainting. He's just like falling. Very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I, they can't figure out what's going on at the doctor. Well, um, so when they're at the doctors, though, too, checking in on Bob, who's there? Martin. Martin. <laughs> he's like over the bed, kind of hovering. Um, and it's just like, okay, what's he up to? You think he had something to do with it, and then and then they sit down in the cafeteria. This scene, the, the, okay. When you watched it for the first time, did you rewind it and watch it again? Because I did. No, I was not expecting something that like dialogue. Oh, dense you mean just like when he lays listen, it out? Yeah. Basically, my reaction first off was I have never seen a hospital cafeteria that nice. <laughs> I was like, hold on, this yeah, is not yeah. accurate. Like this is beautiful. But that aside. Yeah. yeah. So they sit down Clear and, and Chris, yeah. he just lays into Martin. Uh, uh, Martin is perhaps a demigod or some has some sort of supernatural power um, yeah. and basically goes, it's like, it's so reluctant. It's like how you would tell your parents that like, 
you left your bike on lock and it got stolen. It's like he says it right? like reluctantly, delivery. but mm-hmm. like this is just the way it is. He goes, okay, well, you know, as you know, you killed my father on the operating table. So the only way to restore balance is for someone in your family to die. So here's what's going to happen. Yeah. One by one, the members of your family are going to lose their ability to walk. Their legs are going to go numb and they're going to, they are not going to be able to walk. Then they are going to starve themselves. Then they are going to bleed from the eyes, right. then they will die. Yeah. Oh, by the way, when they start bleeding from the eyes, you got a couple hours yeah, at best. Like they're pretty much dead at that point. Oh, and don't worry. You're not going to get sick. You just have to pick which one of them to kill. Otherwise, they're all going to die. And I was just like, what? Oh, okay. what? okay. So yeah. this movie is taking... This movie, this movie is taking a term that I did not expect. Was that, I mean, the, big, knew, was that the big twist you yeah, were referring like, to initially? I, yeah, it's. It, I think it really takes away from this movie if you know if you if you don't have to kind of wander through the first twenty minutes the way Joe and I did, where you're like, something's up here. What yeah. is going on with these people? And that's what's interesting is because I thought this would be more of just like a stalker movie, like he's no. just kind of obsessing over the family and is following them and is like, you know, maybe trying to break in or is just watching their every move. I didn't know he was going to set up this whole scheme where he was going to poison or whatever he does, poisons in some way the family, and then pretty much puts the decision on Steven to figure out like who he's going to kill. So that was pretty messed up. You know, what's crazy is like, so uh, obviously very shortly after Bob stops, uh, he stops eating. Wait, before we get to that though, were you, what did you think of Steven's reaction? Colin Farrell's reaction. I thought it was, I thought it was fair. It would be what he didn't panic at all. He didn't, he wasn't like, well, let me. They immediately have the kid thrown out of the place. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't but believe that. Like, I, there's so many. You know, so you ever have a moment where you're like, is this the beginning of a horror movie? Like every every time. Every day <laughs> of my life, Frank. Anytime I rent an Airbnb with my friends and, and like we're all drunk having a good time, I always think like. 10 kids rent a house out to have a good time, relax for a little vacation. Like, like I said, every time I get into the car, I look in the back seat. I'm like, is this urban legend (laughs) every time? So Colin Farrell has no indication that he, he has no inclination that he is in a horror movie slash scary non horror movie. Um, I think he has what would be most people's real world reaction is you're full of shit. Eh, Get out of here. No, I think he's just such a man of like science and he's yeah. so type A and thinks he knows everything. And he has this, this idea that yeah. it's some kind of like psychosomatic or whatever. Yeah, Cause he thinks condition. Bob's making it up, but shortly thereafter, well, if this guy just says this to you and you know, he's unstable. I mean, yeah, I guess you could take it one of two ways. You could be like, he's just full of crap or, I don't know. Maybe you should report it. But I guess now I see why he wouldn't report it because as the movie plays out, yeah. you see how self-interested yeah. Steven is and he's not going to jeopardize his yeah. livelihood or his reputation. But, and we'll, we'll get to we'll that get into, because but, that, that's big. But they never, they never explain how this is happening, which is you go right into watching the characters cope with the situation. So you said poison. I I assumed what else do you think it'd some be? sort of like celestial demigod some sort of superhuman sort of situation really? yeah like that he he is bestowed with this power to restore balance in the universe and afflict this family you know with the with the snap of a finger oh see I didn't get that vibe that's interesting because then I thought maybe it wasn't poison because Kim is fine for a while the daughter but yeah. then eventually she collapses passes out at like a loses, choir concert. Yeah, loses the use of her legs. She winds up in the hospital. And there's this scene where she's on the phone with Martin because, again, she's, like, in love with him. They kind of have their side thing. And she's talking to Martin on the phone. And, again, she lost the use of her legs. But Martin's outside in the hospital parking lot and is like, hey, come to the window. All of a sudden, she miraculously uses her legs when he kind of summons her. So it made me think, huh, is there, like, some – Ability that Martin has through his words, through like, is he yeah, sending some like vibes? That's, but I that sort think... of thing is why I would cross off the whole idea that maybe it's a poison. Like he wouldn't be able to turn off a poison like that. It's like a, it's a power of yeah. some sort. And that's when I think you see Anna start to crack. When you see, yeah. Anna, she's Anna like, again, what's Nicole, going on? She's like, wait, hold on, you're still talking to Martin because then Anna finds out the truth about who Martin is, yeah. and you know she deals with it, whatever. Um, but I think when she finally sees yeah. that um, 
when she, she kind of sees how like Martin's like really sort of like immersed himself in the family, she's like, yeah. no, no, no. So you start to actually see her show emotion. Yeah. And then, so it's right around this point in the movie where there's some dialogue. I think it comes out first at the, uh, the cocktail party where Colin Farrell's super weird. And then, and then there's more dialogue that, uh, Dr. Murphy's a, a sober alcoholic and there were years where he was operating people and drinking and somehow managed not to lose his medical license. And, uh, Nicole Kidman goes to the anesthesiologist that he works with all the time and is, you know, is there to find out, you know, the truth was Colin Farrell drinking the day of Martin's father's, uh, surgery, which he, you know, he died on the operating table. And it's Is funny it? because there's a, this reverse dialogue yeah. that those two characters have where, you know, she asked Colin Farrell about that. He denies it. I think he might've said that he had like a drink, but like he, he basically denies it. There was any foul play. And he says a, a surgeon can never kill a patient. It's An always anesthesiologist can kill a patient. Yeah, it's always the anesthesiologist's fault. Is pretty much what he says. Which is the exact opposite of what his anesthesiologist tells him. Is that yeah. an anesthesiologist can't kill a patient. A sur uh, surgeon can. She. Uh, persuasively convinces him to divulge the details of Martin's uh, Martin's father's medical file. And uh, that's when it really comes into full picture is that, you know, we're led to believe Colin Farrell killed yeah. this guy. So what I don't understand is that there is this part when Kim is in the hospital and she's telling her mom that pretty much her mom, Anna, won't be able to move either and yeah. has this like message to her that it's important to just kind of um, have what you need within reach. You'll get used to it. I guess with this movie, I was like deconstructing so much of what they were saying, think like trying to find like, was there some meaning? Was there some connection with like what some of the words and dialogue? I don't know. I feel like this movie just like threw me off in some ways. Cause first off, Anna doesn't get sick. She well, never we don't loses get that far, at least. She, well, like, why is it staggered then? Well, because I think he kind of says, like, one by one, this is what's going to happen. Your but if the whole goes. point was for, if the whole point was for Stephen to decide who to kill of his family, whether it's his wife, his son, or daughter, why would you stagger it then? Because then, for example, like the son is going to die first if he's inflicted with this thing first. I feel like you said this to me before, like, because it's a movie, because it I creates know. tension oh my gosh. for them I've, not all to have it at why the same Why are you time. taking this so seriously? <laughs> <laughs> but like, Which you've said to me so many times. Why don't they just poison everyone at the same time? And it's then not I, poison, Joe. Stop saying he poisoned well, them. Say it is. Most likely it is. Poison them all, and then yeah. you figure out who you want to save, yeah. and then... Well, Martin Be making them all on the same trajectory. Yeah. I don't know. That was Martin, one Martin has a flair for the theatric. So basically, it, it starts... They, they realize, like... They cut, so the kids get sent home from the hospital. Doctor's like, there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is convinced, like, okay, this is happening for a reason, and that reason is accurate. So Colin Farrell kidnaps Martin, and Martin stays in the basement, and these are some of the most disturbing scenes in the movie where he is just black and blue and bloody from uh, Colin Farrell just beating the crap out of him. And he is talking so matter-of-factly about the gruesome ways that the Murphys are going to die. He's a scary character. He's and the so actor does such this. a good job of just <laughs> tapping into that yeah. <laughs> intensity and that, like, scary aspect. But, like, he... Yeah, he's you know what it, freaky. It, one of the things he does with his character is, like, I don't know how to describe it other than... It's kind of like a deadpan, like yeah, a very almost totally. at times he has kind of like a vacant look on his face. But like you think all the ways that you could play this character. Okay, you're a kid that has the power to kill an entire family that you want to seek revenge on. You could be very like, I don't know, monstrous. And obviously, you know, Martin is a monster to an extent, but he's very just like matter of fact about it. Like the, the scene where he's like, you're not getting this. Like, this is about restoring balance. Let me show you. And he chomped down. He chomps down on Colin Farrell's arm. Colin Farrell's bleeding. He's like, see, here's what I have to do to restore balance. And bites a chunk out of his own arm. Yeah. And just looks at Colin Farrell and goes, see, see, it's a metaphor. Bites it's into a metaphor. It and then oh. spits out. Spits out a chunk of his skin forearm. in the flesh. And... When Ooh. that happened, though, the music, 
I made a note of the music. I actually wrote ah because the music was so loud and screeching, and it just like amplified that scene so much. And that's when you get like a classic kind of horror movie feel in this yeah. not so much of a horror movie necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, that scene was wild. Yeah. They, um, they eventually decide they there's not there's no point in keeping Martin, and 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 Nicole Kidman lets him go. She lets him go. Yeah. Um, and then. Then shortly after we get into my favorite part of the movie. Is this when Colin Farrell is trying to figure out like which kid he should kill? Yeah. At some point he, he accepts that he's going to have to kill a family member. At the same time, they all start basically campaigning to him to not be killed. Well, which yeah. Which is so dark and messed up. First that, off, like, it's just like there's this acceptance that yeah. this is the way it has to be. Like, why don't they kill Steven? But like, no, it's just like. Okay, one, so of, that's, one yeah. of us must die. So yeah. now it's like, it, it felt like a student council race. Well, let me like <laughs> yeah. show all my qualities. Yeah. And like Bob, who always wanted to be an ophthalmologist, like his mom is now saying, yeah. oh, dad, actually, I want to be a cardiologist. And he like cuts his hair because yeah. his dad's always you about his right. hair. You were right. I should have cut my hair. Yeah. Um, and then Nicole Kidman is trying to seduce him, which, by the way, we haven't talked about their weird sexual proclivity where the oh, whole she thing, pretends to be dead. Yeah, she pretends yeah. to be dead or at least under general anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. Wait, so she so when when um when they're actually talking about the what to do, Stephen and Anna. Yeah. Anna is gives this really shocking, surprising, matter of fact statement. of yeah. Well, the most logical thing to do is to kill one of the children. We can have another and I was like, whoa, that was yeah. wild. I mean, it's such a crazy line. And, like, uh -huh. I can see it making sense from her character's point of view. Yeah. But, like, then when you compare it to reality, like, holy crap. Like, I don't have so kids. But I imagine, like, you don't want to, like, you wouldn't resort to that. Like the, the dialogue <laughs> that this family starts to have with each other is so messed up. Both the kids are in hospital beds next to each other. And... Bob is like, they're going to keep me. They just bought a piano. It's coming next week. And so, like, I'm in the clear. Yeah, and Kim's like, no, when they kill you, can I have your MP3 player? And you're just like, oh, my God, this is so dark. And then probably the most disturbing. the It's simultaneously the worst character scene for Colin Farrell and it's it's almost so ridiculous that you have to laugh at it when he goes and consults the principal at Bob and Kim's school about who is a better student. <laughs> the principal's like, ah, I don't know if I could really say, you know, yeah. they both have their strengths, neither a discipline issue. And he's like, okay, but what one would you say is better yeah. than the other? Yeah, and the principal's <laughs> like, like, I really can't tell you that. Yeah. But the fact that he's just like getting yeah. people to weigh in on this. Yeah. Um, and actually what's interesting is that in that part of the movie – um, the principal is talking about the strengths of each child. Yeah. And I think it's when he mentions that Kim did mm -hmm. this like really great report on this um, character from a Greek myth. Is it like Iphigenia? I think it's Iphigenia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which this movie is loosely based on. So yeah. it's a Greek myth. Yeah, it's basically about the Trojan War. So it's the story of basically the story of Agamemnon, who's going to lead uh, essentially the Greek coalition uh, across uh, the water to sail to Troy, but they can't go because there's no wind. And the reason that there's no wind is because Agamemnon accidentally killed a deer that was sacred to the goddess Artemis. So to restore order and thus give uh, Agamemnon wind to carry his fleet to war, he has to sacrifice uh, his daughter, Iphigenia. Now we're butchering so many names today. Our yeah. apologies. And there's like, it, this is one of those stories that's like, it, it shows up in a lot of things, right? It's in Homer's Iliad. Uh, Euripides wrote a version of it. Um, it. It's a very famous story. And and the story, I think, kind of ends with everybody. Basically, he... There's different uh, versions, yeah, ultimately. Agamemnon tells his daughter that he's going to marry her off to Achilles, who's a, who's like a huge war hero. In an actuality, he's just going to sacrifice her. She like figures that out at the end and kind of accepts it, which is also weird because that's something that kind of happens to Kim in the movie. She, at the very end, uh, pleads to be the one that's killed. But it's actually not clear in the Greek myth whether or not she actually does get killed. Yeah, different versions. So in some versions, Ephigenia dies. In some versions, she lives. In other versions, she's swapped out for another deer. So, yeah. you know, it's like a... Who knows exactly yeah. what happens, but, but the, I you think see the inspiration for the movie, yeah. which 
obviously draws on that. Another thing, I don't know if it's Yorgos's style, um, it, the way he has the characters talk, but like, yeah. it has been a long time since I've read Greek comedies or tragedies, but I thought the way that the characters speak to each other in kind of like a matter of fact, like bargaining kind of debate way kind of reminded me the way that some of those Greek tragedies are written. Yeah. Like the way they're like, Oh, you know, the thing it was like should, a play. Yeah. We should kill the children because we can make another child. And also like, the way they inflect, you know, it's just like feels very Martin, like the way they just like say words. And, and that's why at first I was like, no one talks like this. Like, yeah, what? And that's why I was getting kind of annoyed. <laughs> but then I was thinking of his other movies and I was like, huh, like the favorite is so wordy i don't know if that's the right word yeah but a lot of you can see the the similarity and it just kind of once you get over the initial like what is this like that doesn't seem realistic yeah you, you, it, it does like create the world you're in but yeah at first i was like this is not realistic like who speaks like this to each other yeah um so they're, 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 everybody's making their case to colin farrell who by the way never for one second asks Martin or considers, can I kill myself? Like, oh, yeah. I gotta say, like, it, you know, as someone starting a little family, if if somehow some crazy way I end up in killing of a sacred deer, yeah, I like all I do is go to Mark and be like, well, I'm gonna kill myself. Like, can can we can we make a deal on that? I know you said I'm not going to get sick, but like, I'm not. I don't I'm not picking a member of my family to die, and I think. Part, I think part of why that never happens is definitely supposed to be a commentary on Colin Farrell's character, like not really being a good person. Yeah, I'm sure that was on the table. Like that could have been an option, but yeah. he's so selfish and never even so <laughs> self-interested again that that doesn't even yeah cross his mind. So instead of being like, hey, maybe I should take one for the team, he then decides to get all of his all the yeah. family, well, the two is, kids. He decides to do this because remember he's like randomly debating, like he's doing all these things. He's talking to the principal, and then it's just a cut to Bob. Bob's eyes start bleeding, and you're like, "Oh shit, Bob is about to die." Yeah, and that's when. Well, so he gets, um, he like uh, duct tapes. <laughs> like Everybody bound. in the living room. <laughs> yeah, so like the kids are all tied up. Nicole Kidman's character is all tied up. Puts pillowcases on all their heads over them and then gets his rifle loaded and just starts spinning around so they're sitting on the outskirts he's in the middle of the circle and just starts spinning around pointing his gun and just like blindly shoots and the first two times at a time first two times he misses and the third time he hits someone and the bullet goes into bob who i mean i guess he was already dying if there's any yeah. like if he wasn't going to kill himself kind of killing bob makes the most sense cuz i you know it's funny when i watched it the first time i somehow remembered the dialogue between martin and colin farrell being once someone starts bleeding from the eyes you can't save them but it really just says that once someone starts bleeding from the eyes they're going to die in a few hours but yeah i mean he is well that was the, my question like if someone if say he didn't kill bob he just yeah. killed someone else how does he save bob who's bleeding and is clearly about to die yeah. i wish there was some more yeah. i mean again i know it's a movie and i don't need to have everything yeah. but I was just thinking like what would happen to him so yeah. um anyway bob sadly gets catches one in killed. the chest um and then the last scene is where the family's out to you know this diner that um steven and martin used to meet up at they're having yeah. a meal and they turn over and there's martin just sitting at the counter stool, just kind of looking at them blankly with that creepy, but you can't tell what's going on in yeah. his eyes. Look, soulless, evil look on his yeah, face. Yeah, and they the family just kind of carries on. Yeah. So that Crazy. was the very yeah. uplifting movie called <laughs> Killing of a Sacred yeah. Deer. So many like, what the hell happens? Like, how do they explain? How do they explain that one of their kids has a died of gunshot? How doesn't how did the police end up at, you know, uh, the Murphy's house when yeah. Martin has been missing for days and comes home with a big chunk missing out of his arm? Uh, you know, half of half his set of teeth missing. Like so many things that just uh, at the end of it, you're like, well, how does this really wrap up? But I think this is movie is about it's supposed to be about something kind of bigger than that. You know, at one point in the movie, one of the characters, Martin, is screaming at another character. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> so, you know, and which yeah. is, you know, I got to say, I usually don't like movies where the answer to what you've seen, like the way to understand it is like, oh, it's just one big metaphor. Like that was what I didn't put on our list tonight. That movie Mother. 
If you've ever seen that, oh, no. don't. It's yeah. terrible. But the the only resolution to it is like, oh, it's a metaphor for well, something. Well, Valentine was a metaphor, <laughs> and for, we for still what? loved it. For what? A failing career <laughs> by Denise Richards? Like, what? Um, I don't know. But, but yeah, yeah, I liked I liked this movie, and I thought it was scary. Obviously, I recommend it. I I made you watch it. What was yeah. your kind of takeaway? I went through a lot of feelings <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> I went through moments of being like, "This movie is really cool," and I'm so into it. To just being annoyed, to being like, "What the hell is this?" I would say watch it because it's quite unique. I don't think it's like a lot of other movies out there, and yeah. there's a lot going on. It's an interesting concept. I mean, I think like you said, just the broader um themes of just like what's fair versus what's justice like you know it makes you think about things if you're in the mood to think um the performances are great i mean a lot of the characters are very unlikable but um yeah i would recommend it um if it's scary no i don't think it's scary um i think there's like certain scenes again that are like ooh, like when martin just bites into his arm like that's that's freakish (laughs) it's the music that just like amplifies it yeah the situation's kind of, I don't know if I call it scary, but like it's a messed up situation. It has in. that, it has that thing that I think a lot of the movies that we talked about, especially like uh, Requiem for a Dream uh, and maybe A Clockwork Orange has, where like it's not necessarily fear that it fills you with, but like I did feel like I had kind of a visceral response to it. Like it makes you it makes you feel strongly one way or another. Like mm-hmm. it's so disturbing and it's so brooding it. So I don't know if scary is the right word, yeah. but it like, uh, it taps into something that I feel like, uh, you know, it's a, it's an overlapping Venn diagram with like my love for being scared. Yeah. It's my love of having this sort of anxious, disturbed feeling. And the director is really talented because he, yeah. Kind of just makes you confused. He makes you feel a lot of different feelings. Yeah. But he also makes this movie again, there's like these moments of humor. Yeah. And you're just like, wait, why am I laughing in this yeah. really dark movie? But there's just some really funny comedic parts too. So yeah. it's like it's a confusing, complicated movie, but I also think that there's like, you know, we've just described the plot of this movie. This movie could be very dumb. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be very oh, in like, the wrong hands. Like, it could like, have been so when stupid. he lays out the rules and then they kind of go through the bargaining back and forth. You'd be like, this is so stupid. Like yeah. this could never happen. But between the way it's shot, the way the score is and the fantastic performances, I didn't have a hard time kind of jumping into their world and kind of accepting yeah. their fate with them. And it's free on prime. It so is, if you have prime, yes. you've got nothing to lose. But yeah. this movie actually won um, best screenplay uh, what? at, Canes, oh, which yeah. is a film it, festival. Con. Con, Joe. Is it Con? It's France. It's not Canes? No, it's C A N N E S. Con Film Festival. Uh, For anybody that didn't like suspected, like Joe and Frank are actually big film guys, I think you just found out Joe is not. Really? Is it actually Con? Oh, yeah. Con Film Festival. Well, that is something new. It is I like, today. it is probably the biggest probably the biggest film festival in the world yeah like big movies get bought from con oh all i'm the well time. aware of it i've never actually heard the word said it <laughs> i've only read it i don't think i've ever heard someone be like and at this year's canes film festival con interesting con. yeah uh, did you do a scare are they now or scare have they been uh so scare are they now alicia silverstone which oh, i thought yeah. was so cool to see yeah. her in this movie because i love cameo. her she's good in it i too. love her from clueless um i actually just saw her in another movie recently that i watched on prime called book club <laughs> which has jane huh? fonda and um candace bergen and diane keaton but she plays one of the daughters but anyway um, so Lisa Silverstone has done some movies and stuff since Clueless. That was her big breakout yeah. role. That was, you know, like the mean girls of like the early nineties, but, um, she's going to be actually in a movie that we've been talking about for a while. The lodge. Yes. So I don't know much about her role, but she's going to be in that one. So she's still acting and stuff. She's out there. I know she was famous for a while because she would, um, talk about how she would chew her food and then feed her child. Kind of like a mama bird what? went to a baby bird. Yeah, so that was like a thing. Um, But yeah, so that's Alicia Silverstone for you. We're going to hopefully check out that movie and see her in it. But I think that wraps up 
um, killing of a sacred deer. Anything yeah. that you have on your mind that yeah, you want to get out? Yeah, it will. It will be a little while before you guys hear from us again. Obviously, Joe has got a European vacation ahead of him. Yeah, but we have a. I think we're gonna have a very special episode uh, later in July. I don't want to get too much into the details, but yeah, I believe we are gonna have some guests plural on our next trying episode. something new maybe yeah. a new location mm-hmm. maybe be out in the public yeah eye. so, so yeah. look forward to that um we're really excited i think i think we have a fun one in store for you for next month but yeah check us out on instagram listen to all of our episodes download that are on Spotify. subscribe leave us funny comments uh you know we love hearing from you guys um, and, uh, but maybe before our next special episode we'll do nightmare on elm street what do you always. think okay yeah um and was Chloe Grace Moretz in that? I, I, I don't know. Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Bye, guys. Cheers. You do realize, Stephen, we're in this situation because of you. So what do you suggest? Tell me. Oh, wait. I know. I've got it. There is a way we can put a stop to all this. All we need to do is find the tooth of a baby crocodile, the blood of a pigeon, and the pubes of a virgin. And then we just have to burn them all before sunset. Let me see. Do we have spare teeth lying around? Teeth, pubes, nope, nothing here. Let me see. Cleaning here, pubes, teeth.